welcome to the preaching ministry podcast of Mount Pisgah Baptist Church in Easley, South Carolina. Our goal is to exalt the Savior, evangelize the sinner, and encourage the saint through faithful exposition of God's Word. If you got your Bibles this morning, I want to invite you to find Nehemiah chapter 6. Nehemiah chapter 6, we're going to continue the series that we have been in for some time. This is our 10th message through this series, and we've entitled this series Against All Odds. Against All Odds. Nehemiah, the former cupbearer to the Persian king, has now returned to Jerusalem, and he is in the midst of building the wall. And the wall is almost completed. Nehemiah, prior to making his way there to Jerusalem, heard about the plight of his people. And he was concerned about this wall being broken down and it would not protect his home country or his home city of Jerusalem against attacks from without. And a city without a wall was a reproach to the people of God. And they would struggle to fend off their enemies if there was no wall in place. And so Nehemiah takes on this great task of rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem. But as you have heard said many times before, no good deed goes unpunished. And Nehemiah is going to deal with opposition. And we've seen that over the last several weeks over and over and over. We first met these two rascals named Sanballat and Tobiah back in chapter four. And they are trying to do anything they can to put a stop to the rebuilding of this wall. Now, why would these two guys want to stop the progress on this wall? Well, they were governors in area countries and they thought that a strong Jerusalem might dilute their power. And so they wanted to put a stop to Jerusalem becoming a mighty power there in the region. So they began to oppose everything that Nehemiah and the people of God were doing. At first, they tried to mock them and make fun of them. They thought maybe if they got embarrassed, maybe they would stop the work. When mocking and making fun of them didn't work, they began to try to intimidate the people of God into ceasing the work. And that didn't work because Jeremiah or Nehemiah told us that the people had a mind to work. Unfortunately, we realized that the enemy is a lot of things and persistent is one of those. And the enemy continues to come at us both individually and corporately. And he tries to stop the work and the will of God for your life individually and the work and the will of God for our church corporately. And so Nehemiah again today is going to deal with the likes of his enemies. As they're approaching the completion of the wall, the enemy seems to step up his attack. And the goal this week is this, to instill fear in the heart of their leader, Nehemiah. Because if they could instill fear into the heart of the leader, it would also trickle down and the people would also be in fear. But it wasn't only the leader they were after. They were after everybody that was involved in the work of God that they might cease the work because of fear. And as we read our text this morning, I want you to notice a couple of things that I want to highlight. 
In chapter six and verse nine, it says, for they made us afraid. In chapter six and verse 13, it said, therefore it was hired that I should be afraid. And then again in chapter six and verse 14, it says, that would have put me in fear. If the enemy can't mock you into quitting, if the enemy can't intimidate you into quitting, he'll just convince you that you are fearful and afraid of what man might do or what the reaction of others might be. Because we understand and know from a popular song today, and I want to preach on this subject today, fear, he is a liar. Fear, he is a liar. Stand together and let's begin to read in Nehemiah chapter six, beginning in verse five. If you're there, say amen. Amen. Then sent Sanballat his servant unto me in like manner, the fifth time, with an open letter in his hand, wherein was written, it is reported among the heathen, and Gashmu saith it, that thou and the Jews think to rebel, for which cause thou buildest the wall, that thou mayest be their king according to these words. And thou hast also appointed prophets to preach of thee at Jerusalem, saying, there's a king in Judah. And now shall it be reported to the king according to these words. Come thou, come now therefore, let us make counsel together. Sambalat writes this letter that's full of lies. And at the end of the lies, he looks at Nehemiah and says, let's just sit down and talk about it. Is that somebody you want to sit down and talk to? Well, Nehemiah is going to respond to this letter. And he says this, verse eight, then I said unto him, saying, there are no such things done as thou sayest, but thou feignest them out of thine own heart. For they all made us afraid, saying their hands shall be weakened from the work that it be not done. Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. Afterward, I came unto the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, the son of Mahitabiel, who was shut up, and he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple, and let us shut the doors of the temple, for they'll come to slay thee, yea, in the night will they come to slay thee. And I said, this is Nehemiah, should such a man as I flee? And who is there that being as I am would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. And lo, I perceived that God had not sent him. He's speaking of Shemaiah here. But that he pronounced this prophecy against me for Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. Therefore, he was hired that I should be afraid and do so and sin and that they might have matter for an evil report that they might reproach me. My God, think thou upon Tobiah and Sanballat according to these works and on the prophetess Naadoah and rest of the prophets that would, and the rest of the prophets that would have put me in fear. Verse 15, so the wall was finished in the 20 and fifth day of the month of Elul in 50 and two days. And it came to pass that when all our enemies heard thereof and all the heathen that were about us saw these things, they were much cast down in their own eyes for they perceived that this work was wrought of our God. Heavenly Father, I pray now that as we walk into this message and as we walk through these scriptures, 
That Lord, if there's anybody here that's dealing with some sort of fear that the enemy has come along and told them that there's no use in trying anymore and fear has set up, I pray, Lord, if there are those that are here today that are in fear of taking their next step with you, Lord, I pray that if there are those that are in fear of being obedient to what it is you have called them to do because they have heard the lies of the enemy that they're not good enough, that, they're, that, that they just can't do it, Lord, I pray today that the one that whispers fear would be defeated. And Lord, you would get the victory in the lives and the hearts of your people today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. And you may be seated. Bullies today, they use the same tactics that Sandballot did. Because what a bully tries to do is instill fear into the hearts of its target. I heard about a little boy, he was being picked on, he was being bullied at school. And this bully would come by his desk every day and demand that he give him his lunch money. And the little boy said, you know, I was scared of him, so I just gave him my $2 every day. Every day he'd come by my desk and I'd just give him my $2. But after a while, I had enough of it. And I decided I was going to fight back against the bully. And he said, so I decided I was going to go get me some karate lessons. So he went and engaged with a karate instructor. And he said, every day I went to the karate instructor, I had to pay him $5. And so I just decided to keep paying the bully because it was $2. I just decided to deal with it. Oftentimes when bullies come our way and they try to intimidate us and cause us to be fearful over accomplishing something that God wants to accomplish in us and through us for his glory, we will often cower down to that fear and not take that step of faith because we have begun to listen to the voice of the enemy. Nehemiah is a man that is not going to cower down to fear. Nehemiah, we're going to see, is going to give us some instructions on how to deal with fear this morning. So I got three quick points this morning. Number one, I see Sanballat's letter. Sanballat's letter. Now there's a letter that is written, authored by Sanballat, and his entire goal in writing this letter is to put a stop to the work and to the will of God, that this wall would not be rebuilt. Now, I want you to notice a few things about this letter. Number one, I want you to notice the audacity of Sanballat. The audacity of Sanballat. Look at verse five again. And Sanballat's service in the manner fifth time, which was with what? An open letter. The fact that this was an open letter speaks of the evil intentions of the sender because letters in those days were typically sealed in bags so that they could not be opened and read. They were a, it was supposed to be a private letter, but Sanballat didn't desire that this letter be private. So on purpose... He allowed that letter to be unsealed, knowing full well that the courier would reach down in there and read the letter. And I want you to notice what it says. Verse six, wherein it was written, it was reported among the heathen. 
Samballot knew that if he could write some juicy gossip about Nehemiah, boy, them lips would start moving amongst the heathen. And everybody'd start talking and they would hear, the people of God would hear about the accusations that they had made against Nehemiah. He knew that the contents of this letter would sometimes become public. It would, if we brought it down to today, here's what it would look like. If I wanted to write a letter to Brother Jeremy, and I was going to write Jeremy a letter, but I was accusing Jordan of some bad stuff. I would write that letter to Jeremy, but I'd make it public on Facebook, right? I'd make it public on my Twitter feed. I'd have a, I'd have a blog post for you old timers. I'd have a blog where anybody could read what I wrote to Jeremy, knowing everybody's going to read what I said about you because my target is really you. You say, are they rascals? I'm, I'm glad those rascals existed back then, don't exist today. You got another thing coming. Rascals like that, that write false letters and accuse people of false things, they exist in the church, they exist in our community, they exist in our convention, they are everywhere. You got to watch out for rascals like that. Because what they're trying to do is instill fear into Nehemiah that the work of God might cease. There's the audacity. This open letter really just re reveals the low character of the person that sent it. There's the audacity, but then there's the accusation. Let's, let's speak about what the accusation is that Sanballat is making against Nehemiah. He says, Nehemiah is planning a rebellion against the king of Persia. And not only is he planning to rebel against the king of Persia, he's got prophets going around and telling everybody about this rebellion. Why would Sanballat say that? Because Samballot knows that the king of Persia and the kings in those days did not take well to any rebellion happening anywhere near them. And if the king discovered rebellion, he would have put a stop to the work at a moment's notice. So do you see what Samballot's trying to do? He's trying to write this open letter that everybody could read so that the rumor, rumor mill would start that Nehemiah was going to be... Uh, in rebellion against the king, he is sending prophets out to preach that same message and they wanted to put a stop to it. And he says, Nehemiah, I'm going to tell the king about all this. And so what he's trying to do is just put fear in the heart of Nehemiah saying, when the king finds out about this, Nehemiah, you think he has put a stop to it back in the book of Ezra. He's going to put a stop to it for good as soon as he hears what you're up to. I'm talking about an evil guy, Sam Ballot, trying to put a stop to the work of God by instilling fear in the heart of Nehemiah and causing the people to begin to doubt Nehemiah because of his false allegations. Now, I don't know about you, but one of the things that will make you the most upset and the most angry is somebody accuse you of something you didn't do. I'm usually pretty mild-mannered. I really am, unless we're keeping score. And by the way, I had some people invite me to play pickleball this week, and I got suckered in. I'm just going to tell you, I got suckered in. 
because I got invited by a professional. He beat me like a drum. I'm not going to tell you he's 15 years older than I am too. Beat me like a drum. And I pray that God would deal with him about that. Where am I at? I'm usually a calm, I'm usually a pretty calm guy. And most of you probably are too on the regular. But you accused me of something I didn't do. That's exactly where Nehemiah finds himself. And how's he going to respond? I love this. Notice with me not only the audacity of Samballot, the accusation of Samballot, but the answer to Samballot. Nehemiah's answer is found in verse 8. Listen to what he says. Then I sent unto him, saying, There are no such things done as thou sayest. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you have any question about what Nehemiah is saying? He's essentially saying, let me be crystal clear with you. I'm not going to give you some ambiguous answer. I'm not going to try to give you double speak. I want you to look up, listen up, and lean in and listen to what I'm about to say. I did not do what you are claiming I did. Is there any ambiguity about that? No. Butler said it this way. When people are not guilty of a charge, they can answer as Nehemiah did. Why was his answer so powerful? Because he spoke with clarity. These things, listen, when you're innocent, you can speak with clarity. That's what we desire of our leaders today, right? Just speak with clarity. Just tell the truth, amen? I said, just tell the truth. Isn't that what we want from our leaders today? But that is not what we get from our leaders today. You know what we get from our leaders today? We get evasive answers. When, when, the, when our leaders of today are, they, they, they sworn in front of God and everybody, on a Bible to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And they sit down in front of our leaders of this country and they're supposed to answer the question. Here's what they say. Well, to the best of my recollection, that's a tactic. Well, as I, as I recall, what do you mean is you just tell the truth, man? Isn't that what we desire? Just tell the truth. We had one fella that was famous for this line right here. You talk about evasive. It depends upon what your definition of the word is, is. That's the kind of answers we get today. Can I bring it all the way down to where we live right now? Some of y'all gonna like this, some of you probably won't. But let me just bring it where we are today. Is that your cocaine in the White House? <laughs> well, hold on, hold on. Hold on, we ain't give you the answer yet. I ain't give you the answer yet. It depends on what White House you're talking about. Because there's a lot of White Houses all over the country. There's a lot, there's White Houses everywhere. Well, to the best of my recollection, I didn't leave my cocaine in the White House. Are you kidding me? You see, when you're innocent, 
When you're innocent, you don't have to be evasive. You speak with clarity and conviction. That's exactly, watch what he says. Verse verse eight, I said to him saying, there's no such thing done as thou sayest, but watch watch what else he says. Because you feignest them out in your own heart. Samballot was a liar. And Nehemiah told him he was a liar. And it's interesting to me that Nehemiah didn't say, you made all this up in your head. He said, all of this derived out of your heart. And the liar Samballot is trying to cause fear in the heart of Nehemiah. And in verse eight, or the first part of verse nine, it says, for they all made us afraid, saying their hands shall be weakened from the work that had not be done. That was the entire goal, to make false accusations against Nehemiah, that the work may cease. There's the audacity of Samballot. There's the accusation of Samballot. There's the answer to Samballot. And then I want you to hear the appeal about Sanballat. Nehemiah, when he's facing what would seem to be a pretty difficult task of fighting against all of these false accusations, when fear's beginning to set up inside of his heart, likely, when it seems maybe things are out of control and fear has begun to grip his heart, he knows exactly where to go. And he says, now, therefore, oh God, Strengthen my hands. This is a short prayer and this is a simple prayer, but I'm going to tell you, those are sometimes the prayers that get the job done. Amen. You remember Peter, he was walking on the water and he began to sink when he got his eyes off of Jesus and he said, Lord, save me. And immediately the Lord reached down and saved him. You remember there on Golgotha's hill, there were three crosses and there was one that turned and he looked at Jesus and he said, Lord, will you remember me when you come into thy kingdom? Changed his eternity forever. I'm talking about a short prayer and a simple prayer, but an awful powerful prayer. And so this morning, you find yourself in a place of of discouragement. You find yourself in a place of fear. And the enemy has come and whispered inside of you, just quit. It's not worth it. You're not good enough anyway. Just throw the towel in. I'd say to you this morning, whisper a short and simple prayer, just like Nehemiah did, and say, oh God, would you strengthen my hands? Sam Ballot's letter. Man, you talk about the enemy coming after him. But I want you to notice, secondly, Shemaiah's lies. You would think at the end of having to deal with this open letter campaign, Nehemiah could take a deep breath for a minute. But the enemy just keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming. If the enemy is anything, he is certainly persistent. We know in verse five, it tells us that he'd come some five times to intimidate and to instill fear into Nehemiah. Now it appears that there's a priest on the inside. This is one of the home team. This is one of the folks on the inside. He's been hired by Sanballat and Tobiah to come against Nehemiah. I want you to notice a couple of things about this. Number one, the devilish scheme. I mean, you talk about a scheme. We don't, we don't have time to go into all of this, but let's just, let me just give it to you real quickly. Shemaiah is an insider that's joined up with the enemy. 
And Shimei is going to invite Nehemiah into the temple. In verse 10, he says, let us meet together in the house of God. And essentially, essentially what he is saying is, is I want to bring you into the inner temple. It'll be a safe place for you. It'll be a place of protection for you because when the enemy comes against you, the enemy's going to come at night. You'll be there safe inside the holy place, inside the temple, and you will be spared. Now, this is the inner sanctuary of the temple that Shimei is referring to here. It would have been surrounded by some strong doors and only only surface this invitation to come into the temple and be safe sounds like a, an innocent invitation, but it's anything but. I'm talking about a sly character, Shimei is. There's the defiant scheme, but then there's the discerning soul or the devilish scheme and the discerning soul. Nehemiah figures out that Shimei is up to no good. You ever been around somebody and boy, something inside of you goes, mm, I don't know about this. I don't know about this. And God gives you discernment about something, something or somebody. And you go, I don't know. Well, Nehemiah says, I done figured out you've been hired by the enemy. And it didn't take long for Nehemiah to discover this. And notice what he says. Verse 11. Should such a man as I flee? And who is there being as I am would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. Why would he not go in? There's two reasons. Number one, it would be cowardly. Let me ask you a question. If I'm your leader and we got the enemy going to come against us and I say, y'all stay out here and fight them. I'm going inside the Holy of Holies and shut myself in so they don't get me. Good luck. What kind of a leader would I be, right? And they're trying to convince the people that Nehemiah, because they knew this would get around. Shimei knew this would get around. And, and who wants to follow a, follow a coward? And Nehemiah's character would be compromised and he would be viewed as a coward and, and the people would no longer follow him, which is exactly what they desired. It would have not only been cowardly, it would have been a violation of a command of God. Hiding inside the holy place in the temple would have been a clear violation of a command of God. God forbid laymen to enter into the holy place. You can read about it in the book of Numbers. Only priests were to go into that holy place. And it would have been sinful for Nehemiah to take refuge in that place. Look at verse 13. Therefore he was hired that I should be afraid and do so. He hired me to bring me in there and sin. And this sinful behavior from Nehemiah would have compromised his integrity with the people, which is exactly what the enemy wanted to do. And Nehemiah says, I ain't going in because I perceive something about you and your intentions are ungodly. In verse 13, it says that I would be afraid. In verse two, it says, you're going to cause me to sin. So you can, or verse 13 says, you're going to cause me to sin. So you can go tell the people about it. Verse 14 says, you want to put fear inside of me. Fear, he is a liar. Do you see Sanballat? Sanballat's a liar. Shimei, you know what Shimei is? A liar. Because both of them are trying to instill fear into the heart of Nehemiah and the people of God. And he says, I'm not giving in to you. I perceive you're up to no good. Or Sanballat's letter, 
There's Sanballat's lies. And then thirdly, there's the sovereign's labor. I'll give you this real quickly. In spite of all the fear tactics that were used by the enemies of Nehemiah against the people of God, Nehemiah found God to be faithful. How so? Well, in verse 15, I see, first of all, the finished task. We touched on this last week. We won't spend much time here. But in verse 15, it says, so the wall was finished. In 52 days, they finished that wall. In the face of great opposition, the wall was finished. Listen, when you operate in fear, you won't finish the task. When you listen to the lies of the enemy, you won't finish the task. When you allow the enemy to cause you to compromise your character, you won't finish the task. But you just allow the Lord God Almighty to guide your path and allow him to finish the task through you. There's not only the finished task, there's the fatigued troublemakers. I love this, verse 16. It came to pass when all the enemies, all our enemies heard thereof and all the heathen were about us saw these things, they were much cast down in their own eyes. Somebody said it was all over but the crying for them. Also noticed in that verse, it says our enemies heard. They on the outside looking in now. They ain't on the inside no more. They're on the outside looking in. They were much cast down in their own eyes. Listen, I, I try not to take any glory in the defeat of my friends. And I don't take glory in the defeat of my friends, but I sure take glory in the defeat of my foe. Because my foe's gonna get what's coming to him one of these days. You say, who is it? You ain't my foe. We all share the same foe. We all share the same enemy. And he is, he is the prince of the power of the air. He is Satan and he is loose right now for a little while, but there ain't gonna be long. He's gonna get what's coming to him, amen? You just keep coming on Sunday nights and we're gonna get there in the book of Revelation where he's gonna get cast into the lake of fire. And I don't know about you, but, but I, wanna, I wanna rejoice over the fact that my foe is one day going to be dealt with. Nehemiah's foes were going to be dealt with and, and, and they were fatigued troublemakers. But notice fast, lastly, the fabulous testimony. Look at the very last part of verse 16. For they perceived that this work was wrought of our God. You see, God's timing is absolutely perfect. The people of God have been mocked. They've been intimidated. They've had the enemy come along and whisper in their ear to try to cause them to be fearful. But, but, but they now understand that it wasn't Nehemiah and it wasn't the people. It was the God of Nehemiah and the God of the people that finished the job. Now, I don't know what God's called you to individually. I don't know what God has put in your heart to do. Nehemiah said, I didn't tell the people that God had put it in my heart to finish this wall. What is it God's put in your heart to do? And the enemy has come along and he's begun to whisper to you that you're not good enough. That because you failed the Lord one time or two times or three times or four times, because you failed the Lord, you just ain't good enough. Let me tell you who's whispering that in your ear. Satan himself. Because the truth is, none of us are good enough. 
but the God that lives in us is. And the God that lives inside of us is forgiving. The God that is inside of us says we have not been given the spirit of fear. And we should not live in fear. And some of you this morning, God's dealing with you about your salvation. God's dealing with you right now about the fact that you've been lost and it's time for you to be saved. That you don't know where your eternity lies. He's revealed to you that you're a sinner in need of a savior. And he's come to seek and to save that which is lost. And you're sitting there shaking like a leaf. And the enemy has whispered, they'll make fun of you if you make a profession of faith. They'll make fun of you if you admit that you're lost in front of everybody. They'll make fun of you. They'll think you've lost your mind. By the way, you don't. You remember you are a grow group leader. You are a leader in the church. Heck, you, you even tithe here to this church and you're faithful here every week. If you go forward and admit that you're lost, they'll talk about you and the enemy will begin to whisper that in your ear and fear will begin to set up inside of you. But I pray the sovereign Lord this morning would eliminate any of that fear. What work has God called you to that you know He's called you to? What step is it that He's called you to take that you are so fearful of? Listen, we've all got situations in our lives personally, situations in our lives with our families, situation in our lives, even in our professional careers that would cause us to be fearful. But this song that they're going to sing for the invitation is simply this. I'm no longer a slave to fear because I am a child of God. False accusations, let God deal with them. False accusations, speak with clarity. Enemy comes along to try to trick you, ask God to give you discernment. And let God finish the work that he started. Philippians says this, he who started a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. What decision do you need to make this morning that you are so fearful of? May the God of heaven dispel that fear for you today. And may you be obedient to whatever it is he's called you to. As we stand to our feet, we're gonna have a song of invitation. If there's a decision you need to make, now's the time. If you need to find a spot in the altar and just spend some time in prayer, you come. But whatsoever he says unto you, do it as we sing. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the preaching ministry podcast of Mount Pisgah Baptist Church. If you'd like additional information, please visit mtpisgah.cc.